0: Well, good morning. Good to see you. Uh, Everybody know what today is? It's Sunday. Hello. Come on. Thanks for coming to worship today. I'm just kidding. I know it's Mother's Day. Uh, By the way, if you've got little kids with you uh, and you want them to keep a secret real quick, just plug their ears because I'm about to tell you a story and I don't want the cat out of the bag for your little ones So plug their ears. But uh, the other night we were coming home and last night we're coming home from some good friends house. We had a great time and Miles pipes up from the back and he says, Hey, um, is so-and-so real? Come on, you've had this conversation. If your kids have, you know, grown up, some of them are teenagers and maybe they don't know, but they're kind of in that phase where they're asking questions and they're kind of coming to the understanding that so-and-so may not be real. And some of the things that we think about them, you know, it's just not, po- it's just not physically possible to do. And so we, we finally just told them, you know, Janelle's like, no, it's, it's, it's not real. And And so Miles like, you've been lying to us the whole time. And so we go in and he goes, where did all those letters go that I wrote? I bet they were just thrown into a lake and the cookies that get eaten, y'all get to eat those? And mom's like, yeah. And he goes, how rude. (laughs) And so the boys were a little upset and they were a little sensitive. And sometimes I'm a bit insensitive to their sensitivity. And so I said, there's good news, boys. They said, what's that? And I said, Mother's Day's real. (laughs) Janelle found that really funny. In fact, she was laughing to the point she had to go to the bathroom. She's like, wow, that was hilarious. Um, But anyway, I say all that to say, happy Mother's Day. It is the realest day, if that's even a word, of all. And I want to commend you, mothers, for the investment that you make in your kids, for the way that you coach them, you love them, you teach them, you're there for them. Honestly, um, if it wasn't for Janelle, I wouldn't have a clue how to parent I mean, I pretend all the time, not a clue what I'm doing, and she often guides and helps me. So if it wasn't for you, uh, I wouldn't be able to do what I do, and we just really wouldn't be here. And so because of that, instead of you giving you like some little trinket that you're going to take home and throw away or give away or give to Goodwill or maybe even bring back here and give to Hope Closet, we have decided, yeah, that's good, on behalf of the mothers, uh, to make a donation. On behalf of you, all the mothers here today, we're going to make a donation of $500 to an organization that we partner with called Love's Mo- Love Moves Us. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On behalf of you and for what all you do, uh, we're going to give $500 to that organization. We partner with them. In fact, the, the uh, founder of that company is a good friend of mine. And he, um, you know, they, they help foster and adoptive families. And so we think the best way to help parents is just continue to invest And that ministry, in fact, we have people that serve there. So mothers, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, We are beginning a new series today. It's a great day to come. In fact, the title of the series, as you can see, is Get It, Got It, Good. And I can tell you right up front that writing the title of this took me two hours. Because I could not figure out for the life of me where the punctuation goes in this conversation. Are you with me on this? Like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, is it get it, question mark? Uh, got it, period? I mean, like, what is it? And so I did a little bit of research. And today, just so you get a better understanding, we're going to have a bit of a conversation. In fact, I need you to role play with me. I'll read what's in white, and you'll read what's in yellow. Just letting you know, you only get to talk twice. I'm sorry about that. Uh, it was a disaster in this morning service, so if it's a disaster now, I apologize. Here we go. It's going to be fun. You ready? So... The first way that we can use this statement is what we call in the interrogative affirmative form. So uh, if I were to come up to you and I would say, your house is on fire. Your house is on fire. And I say, you see the smoke billowing like about 10 miles away. That's your house. And so I'd say, you get it? And you'd say, got it. it. Oh, you guys are Good. (laughs) Good. You understand it I understand it you better go get your house that's good then there's the second form many of you have understood this like if you have a boss or you've worked any day in your life and um, uh, your boss is more of an author- how do you say it? authoritarian yeah they come up to you and they need you to get something done and they just come up and there's not a conversation that day- takes place they just basically be quiet do your job and they say you get it you got it good So that's like the double interrogative form of that. Pretty fun. But then there's a third form that's more like something students would experience when you do something wrong. Maybe you snuck out of the house or maybe you didn't do so well on a test or just maybe you are doing something you shouldn't do at all and your parents found out and you came home and you've had this, right? You come home and you sit down and you know that you're in trouble and they're talking at you, not with you. But they're talking at you, and you don't remember a word that they're saying. You just get the gist of what they're saying. And what we would say is this is the affirmative affirmative form. So they would look at you, and they'd say, get it. And you'd say, got it. Yeah, and we're good, hopefully. The last form is what we call the interrogative affirmative form. Now, this is pretty fun. Or excuse me, the affirmative affirmative interrogate form. Now, this is something like a conversation you would have with your doctor. Uh, recently, uh, about a couple years ago, I went on a hiking trip, was wearing a dirty hat, um, had a bit of a blemish for my teenagers. Those are called zits. And um, I decided to pop it. I don't know why. I thought that would be a good idea. I popped it, and then I put the hat back on. And a day or two later, I noticed that my, um, I was a little tender here in my glands, and I took my hat off <laughs> And my forehead was starting to swell. And I looked like a beluga whale. You know, it was, I mean, it was massive. Some of y'all remember this. It was so embarrassing. I mean, my forehead was just huge. So I had a huge infection in my forehead. And I go to the doctor, and there's nothing like having an infection next to your brain. And so he basically starts explaining to me, I need you to get these antibiotics in your system. Need to do it quick. Um, It's important. And the whole point of this was he'd sit there and he'd say, I need you to get it. You got it. And I'd say, I think we're good. Now, I look at you, and I I go through this whole exercise. This is what I went through just to get the title. Imagine trying to finish up the message. Goodness gracious. I say all that to say, to ask you this question. Do you get it? Oh, you guys are good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you get it? Like, some of, some of you said, I got it. Some of you are shaking your head. Some of you are English majors. You know how this whole thing works, and you, you understand it. But if I were to say to you, hey, let's trade places. Like, you're shaking your head, yes, but if I were to say to you, why don't you come on up here and go through the whole explanation of the multiple ways that we have this conversation, you would, you would go from doing this to, no, I don't get it. And I think so often we we just pretend, right? There are many times in our lives where we pretend like we have it and we don't get it. We don't got it. And I know that's not proper English, but I'm preaching and you're not. So anyway, there are times in our lives we just pretend and we act like we're good and we're really not. And I I just got to be truthful. Maybe this is your experience, but this is how it works for me in faith. Sometimes this is how it works for me when it comes to God. Sometimes this is how it works for me when it comes to things that I read... Jesus has to say it's like really and so often I look at other pastors and I look at other really good Christians and it seems to me like they've got it all together they're shaking their heads yes yeah we've got it we've got it. this is how it always worked in my theology class everybody's like shaking their head and I'm like yeah I may have a question like when I read the Bible and when I look at what Jesus has to say often I'm like man I have a question or is this really who God is? I'm not sure I agree with that. And my guess is you you experience the same thing, that often when it comes to your faith and when it comes to God, you may read something, somebody may say something, you hear something, and you're like, uh, I'm not sure. But what we do is we go, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm good. And the problem with that is we inoculate our lives from any spiritual growth when we're just bobbleheading. That's what I call it. We're just... Just bobbleheading. And so today, to help you in your faith and to help me in my faith and wherever we are in our faith, I want to share a story with you this morning. Uh, Some people call it a parable. It's called a story. It's written by Luke, shared by Jesus. Um, But the cool thing that I love about Luke, and I think you should as well, is that Luke is somebody who doesn't fake it till they make it. Luke is not a guy who just kind of bobbleheads his way through this faith thing that he's discovering when it comes to Jesus. In fact, he has lots of questions. And so he sits down, he sits down with all these people who've had an up-close, upfront personal relationship with Jesus, following him everywhere he went. And you know what's interesting about them? They have stories. So if you're taking notes today, I know it's not up here, but I want you to write that down. They have stories. And not only do they have stories, but they have stories that are worth sharing. And they share these stories and their experiences. See, it was messy for them. It was like this grinding it out, working it out kind of experience, unexplainable experience with Jesus. And at the end of the day, they walk away with these amazing stories that are worth sharing to other people. And by the way, that's how we got the Bible is that people found something so captivating, so amazing, that they wanted to share this with everyone else. And people like Luke are sitting around tables looking at these people, and he's writing, and he's taking notes, and it's changing his life, and it's changing his perception about Jesus. And at the end of the day, it was a lot of work for them. But they had stories worth sharing. And so often in those stories, what we find is we find Jesus leaning in and talking to his followers, saying, You got it? You got it? And the healthy part about it is a lot of the times they were like, uh, not really. And so I want to use their example and some of what we learned today from this parable that Jesus shares this morning. So here's what Luke writes and here's what Jesus says. He says, as they went from a town, a lot of people joined in and traveled along. Now, I highlight a lot of people, not because we're going to dissect it now, but this is actually important for the next two weeks. We're going to have a cliffhanger here today. This is kind of like the warm-up. So if it's a little rough, come back next week. Um, But this is kind of the warm-up. A lot of people joined in this journey. You're saying, who are those people? Well, you're going to have to come back and find out. And so he addressed all these followers and everybody following him. And here's what he says. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Some of it fell on the road, and it was trampled down, and the birds ate it. He continues, other seed fell in the gravel, and it sprouted, but it withered soon because it didn't have good roots. Other seed fell in the weeds, and the weeds grew with it, and it strangled it. It totally choked it out so it couldn't grow. Other seed fell in the rich earth and produced a, quote, bumper crop. I like that. I don't know why bumper sounds so funny to me, but it does. And anyway, produces a bumper crop. So Jesus is telling them this cryptic, odd, weird parable that really doesn't make sense. And if you're honest with me, it still doesn't make sense today. No matter how many times you've read it or heard it, you can't tell me or explain the parable. And Jesus looks at these listeners and he says, he leans in and he says to them directly, all these people following, are you listening to this? I mean, are you really listening? Are you really listening? See, I call this the parable of pre pre-cal, precalculus. pre-calculus. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't smart enough, like most of you, to make it into calculus. <laughs> so I made it the pre-calc. Um, and I remember uh, our teacher would begin to teach, and he would talk, and, and he was an amazing teacher. Won a ton of awards for best teacher in the state of Ohio when it came to math. He retired from public schools and started helping us out at the public school where I went to school. Anyway... He would begin explaining all this stuff he'd talk explain talk explain talk explain and then he would say you get it and of course in high school i don't know about you but it's not cool to look like an idiot and so everybody else is shaking their head yes i get it i get it and i'm looking around like is anybody else going to shake their head no because i need to shake my head no but i just went along with the peer pressure right just shaking my head yes And so he'd go on, he'd talk, explain, talk, explain, you get it. Everybody would continue to shake their head yes. And of course, midterms came and my parents received my grades and I had about an F at that point. And my parents were really gracious to me when it came to grades. And here's why. I may have been first in the pecking order, but I was third when it came to intelligence. (laughs) Uh, You know, my brother, they sent my youngest brother three years younger to do my homework for me at times. Totally kidding, not true at all. But they knew that, you know, testing wasn't my thing, school wasn't my thing, and so they looked at me and they said, what's going on? I mean, are you not paying attention? Are you getting into trouble? And essentially what they were saying is, are you listening? And I'm saying, yeah, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening, but it's not connecting. Like, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. And because there was a disconnect, I really didn't do that well in pre-calculus. And I think this is kind of your experience too, right? You've had people in your life, when you want to say, are you, are you really listening? I mean, are you listening? You've had people that you're talking to, I call it the glaze of malaise. They're looking at you, but you can tell it's just like the sheer glass of, I'm not comprehending a single thing that you're saying. You know? you've, you've had this? We do this in pastor world all the time. We go to conferences and uh, people will come up to you and they'll say, hey, where are you pastoring? And of course, if you're a low life like me, they're, they're not really concerned about where you're pastoring. Uh, they're looking at all the people behind you that are important going by thinking, okay, I need to get to them and talk to them. You need to be quiet and I need to move on. And so what I would do when I was a youth pastor in Kansas, people would say, oh, where are you pastoring? I'd say, oh, yeah, I'm a youth pastor at West Pearl Baptist Church. And uh, that was in Topeka, where I lived. It was a few blocks away from where I lived. If you don't know who Westboro is, they're the crazy people that hold up signs that say, God hates you, God doesn't love you, and everything else. So for shock value, to see if they were listening, I'd say, I'm a youth pastor at Westboro Baptist Church. And they'd say, oh, how's that going? And I'm like, oh, that's good. We're getting into the community. We're really changing lives. We're getting our message out there. I mean, you know, doing great. But I wanted to look at him and say, come on, man, are you listening? I mean, are you really listening to what I'm saying? And we do this all the time with people. Come on, I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. A lot of times when people are talking to us, we're listening, but we're disconnected. See, we know that if we make eye contact with people, if you look them right in the eye, they're going to think that you're listening. And we become so accustomed to looking people in the eye, but mentally. And when it comes to our minds, we're so disconnected. I'm thinking about, why are my kids beating each other up? Where are we going to eat today? You know, why is so-and-so doing, I mean, the, the number of things that can run through your mind when somebody is talking to you. And so Jesus sort of gets this. This is a problem for us. This is really a problem for us when it comes to faith. He has all these people following him, and I call them a bunch of bobbleheads. That's what they look like. They're all like, you know, uh uh-huh. Yeah, we're all following Jesus wherever he goes. We do this every Sunday. We come in, uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh, do a test. When you get out of here, say, what was pastor's message about? People are like, I don't know. (laughs) But this is, all these people are following Jesus, and it's like, uh uh-huh, why are you here? I don't know. My friend invited me. Why are you here? I don't know. I just saw this huge crowd take off, and so I just went with them. I don't really know why I'm here. I'm just here. And I can repeat everything that he's saying, I can quote everything that he's doing, I can go to church every Sunday, Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But we're not really listening. You with me on this? Like, there's a disconnect. And here's the thing, when we're not listening, and there's a disconnect, there's no story. In fact, here's what I know is true. And this is why a lot of people don't follow Christianity. They don't follow faith. is because we say we're listening, but there's a disconnect in what we do, and there isn't a story worth telling in our lives. Luke understands this. Jesus gets this about people following him. And so he continues the story, and here's what the disciples say. His disciples asked, the disciples asked, why did you tell this story? Now, initially, we would Think, here they go again. They don't get it. But here's the thing. They're asking why. And I heard somebody once say that people who know what will always have a job. And people who know why will always be the boss. And I find it interesting that they don't ask what. It's not that they don't understand. They understand it. Because if they didn't, they say, what is this parable about? But instead, they say, why did you share this with them? See, they've gone to the next level of listening. They've gone to a deeper level with God, and they fully understand what it means to be involved when it comes to following Jesus. And the reason why Luke puts the why there is because he knows that we still don't know what. And Jesus knows that we still don't know what, but we're all going, "Uh uh-huh, yep. So here's what Jesus says. He says, you've been given insight into God's kingdom, talking to his disciples. You know how it works. And check this out. But there are others, say it with me now, who need stories. But there are others who need stories. He said, and then he continues. Yeah, let's keep going. He says, but even with the stories, some of them won't get it. Even with the parable that I just gave, even with the example that I just gave them, they're still not going to get it. Their eyes are open, but they can't see a thing. Their ears are open, but they can't hear a thing. I think there are two kinds of stories in life. There's the story that simply grabs our attention. Miles came home the other day from school, and he was telling us about how disappointed he was in his substitute teacher. I love substitute teachers. And so he really loves the teacher that he has now. And he was just like, he's just so attached to her. And, um, but it reminded me of our best substitute teacher. And so I was telling him this story at the dinner table. I said, man, I remember in fifth grade, we had a teacher who looked like Michelle Pfeiffer. And that was when Dangerous Minds came out. You remember this with Coolio? And she goes into the hood and she's working with all these kids who are kind of behind the power curve. You remember this? Well, we had a a teacher who looked like her, and she made it all of five days. Yeah, we were really excited. All the guys were really excited, of course. And then she makes it five days, and she quits. Or something happened. I don't know how bad we were, but she just quits. So we get this substitute guy who's like 60 years old with a beard and absolutely boring. And he walks in, and the homework's on the board. And somebody asks him a question, and he says, Oh, that reminds me of a time when... And he tells us this story for 40 minutes. And then the bell rings. And we're like, yes. I mean, everybody's paying attention. Everybody's listening. So we go out to recess and we make this plan. We're like, hey, we come back in. We'll just ask him questions the rest of the day. And we did. I have a good friend, Dominic, you know, hey, why? You know, he asked him a question and he goes off on a tangent for 45 minutes. Next thing you know, we haven't achieved a thing the entire single day except listening to this guy tell stories. Now, I say that to say there are attention-grabbing stories. But what's interesting is I couldn't tell you what a single story was about. Didn't really change my life. I just know it got me out of homework. It didn't change my life. But then there are stories about people who sort of draw you in. They give you purpose. They give you excitement about life. They, they sort of help you set your goals in life. Come on, you met some of these people? I call them those people. Like, you've met those people in your life who maybe have gone through cancer, and they've defeated cancer, they've overcome cancer, and maybe now you have cancer. And you sit down with those people and you're taking notes. You're taking notes about what they ate, how the treatment went, because you wanna beat it, right? There's something inside of you that doesn't want to succumb to the cancer that's in your body. And so you take notes and you start eating. You change your life because of it. There are students, there are teenagers all over the world that I think are using social media platforms to change people's lives. I don't know about you, but I love YouTube. How many of you are YouTubers? Oh, yeah, we got one or two. Okay, cool. I follow people, and I follow these vegan fitness guys. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, but I watch them because they give me good recipes. They teach me what I should be eating and what I shouldn't be eating. And, and I put it in, made some great five-ingredient cookies the other day. So good. Um, very tasty. Come over to my house. I'll give you some. But those people are worth following. There are those parents, you ever meet those parents, the ones that put you to shame? Like, you look at them and you think, I know that's what I should be doing. I just don't have the energy to do it. But there are those people who sort of push you forward in life. They sort of move you forward in where you want to be. In fact, they may even set the goals for your life. And Jesus is setting us up. He is totally setting us up in this whole thing. See, the reason why he shares this parable is because he wants to simply grab your attention. It's kind of like the substitute teacher. He wants to grab your attention. He's got all these followers and they're sort of starting to lean in. And he leans in next to them and he says, are you ready to do this? Are you with me on this? Are you ready to get it? And here's what he says to those followers. This story, this cryptic, odd, weird, I know I'm supposed to fit in there somewhere, but not really sure where I fit in kind of story is about those people. This story is about some of those people. And you're saying Who? I can feel the anticipation. Wow, the energy coming off of you this morning is so hot, let me tell you. (laughs) Who are those people? And that's where we're going to pick it up next week. But before we do, I want to leave you with this. Each of us have a story. But as Jesus says in the text, some of us need a story. Let me look at each of you today and say that some of you need a story worth sharing. That's really what I want you to know today. You walk out of here today. In fact, over the next week, as we anticipate the people that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, those people, I want you to look deep inside your soul and ask you and ask yourself this question. Is my story worth sharing? As Jesus said, some of you, need, you need a story it's interesting and here's why I say that, my son uh, Carter wrote this poem at school, he typed it out, he was so proud of himself, typed this poem out to my wife and I know you can't read it so I'll read it to you it says, mother, I love that mother, like so formal he's nine he says, I am your CJ I like you, and he says I wonder if you will never die I hear you say good things about me. I see that you're happy. You are my friend. I want more time together. <laughs> I wonder if your 13 or 14 year old that says that to you. I want more time together. I love you. I imagine you having grandkids. I worry about you, I worry about having broken bones. And then he says, I fell. He meant, I feel. I feel happy when I see you when I come home from school. You are my friend. He says, I try hard at soccer. I hope you live forever. I laugh at your funny jokes, and they are funny. I understand having hard times. I dream of having kids. You are my friend. So sweet. And then Janelle looks at me and says, why is he so fascinated with me living forever? Why is he so concerned about my death? And I said, are you not afraid of death? Like, I'm deathly afraid of death. She's like, yeah, but everybody dies. And I said, yeah, but not everybody comes back to tell you what it's like. I mean, it's the only part of life, if you want to call it, where, where nobody has a clue what happens after. Except for Jesus. This is really the only reason why I follow him to begin with. And so Janelle looks at me, she says, I'm not afraid of death. To which I'm looking up to her like, wow, I don't know how you do it. She says, I'm not afraid of death. She said, my biggest fear in life is living a life void of any meaning. In other words, my biggest fear in life is not having a story worth sharing. Do you know what's so disappointing to me about obituaries? It is not worth sharing. It's simply... So-and-so was 90, they had 25 grandkids, they had five kids, they died because they were old. It may grab our attention, but it's not life-changing. And so I just wanna say to some of you this morning, those of you that are out there, uh, you know that you need a story worth sharing, but you know that you're not there yet. And if you can stop doing this, the bobblehead game, like I got this, and you can start going, I have no clue what I'm doing. That is the perfect place to start. And so next week, come back and we'll continue this story.